Rinpoche first requests us to enter into this afternoon's teaching in the spirit of the Bodhisattva and wishing to study uh, in order to be able to eventually bring each and every sentient being throughout the infinity of space to the state of utterly pure, totally perfect and most precious enlightenment. In our study of Dharma, then this afternoon, uh, in our study of these three main levels of Buddhist vow or precept, we're looking at the second level, the Bodhisattva vow. Mm-hmm. And there are many sections in this um, part of the Contra Rinpoche's chapter on um, Bodhisattva vow, dealing with its essence or its definition and so on and so forth. And uh, this afternoon we'll be looking at once one has acquired the vow, then how to nurture that vow and protect it from loss or deterioration. And um, yesterday we saw that there are amongst those who take the Bodhisattva vow those who are very um, intelligent and sharp of their faculties those who are average and those who are um, not so bright or not so uh, not so well endowed for the practice of bodhicitta. And we saw that for those who have the dullest faculties, then there is uh, simply one thing to observe, uh, which is to never reject the bodhicitta. So today we'll look at the uh, downfalls for somebody of uh, middling ability. Mm-hmm. 
The downfalls for this average practitioner uh, come from a text which is called the Bodhisattva Levos or Bodhisattva Bhumi and in there we find there are four downfalls for the average So the sorry for the delay. The first of these four downfalls is to praise oneself and to put other people down, and this is mainly through seeking uh, good reputation or uh, material gain. Um, as far as this uh, praising oneself and putting other people down is concerned, um, in some circumstances, if 
a person really does have qualities or accomplishment and it's useful for other people, then it's okay to say what has been achieved or what has been understood or what realization there has been. If this is done without any selfish motivation, um, then uh, saying that sort of thing is okay. However, this is rarely the case. And most of the time when people are praising their own qualities, it's out of um, either attachment or out of aversion. To uh, There's always this polarity of being um, having your own friends and close people and the sort of the ones who are in for you and then the ones who are on the outside uh, and one wants oneself and those close to one to be put up and elevated and those who are outside to be put down. So if that's the motivation, it's a, a bad thing. And then if, on account of that, one is um, announcing qualities that are not possessed, then this loses, it's a root downfall for the Bodhisattva vow. ตัวภาษีเกียรติภาษีตุจภาษีตาตินดิเชนะตะลานะชอดงเพนีตินิเกียรติทองเจยงอ๋อเซนจิปุเมปาตินิรองยงตาเตลานเตนีชอดงเพ
chudo no martina yung dipare yena yung ronya la nipa yo yanda ta yela no ndona na pema toba chudo no martipa la ditire pema toba ndona denino rena nor ta chunda wo yina yung ronla no ta tipa karinda wo jigo sentia la pen tozi ke jiona deyon hero maje pa maje pa ta tindi sheba do the second downfall is not to be uh, not to give uh, when one's able to give. This can mean either giving material things, uh, wealth or help, or it can mean giving uh, Dharma teachings. So, of course, if one doesn't have any wealth, if one doesn't have the knowledge that's required, then you, you've got nothing to give. But what we're looking at here is when you do have the possibility of helping out financially, materially, however it may be, uh, in a physical way and you don't when there's a need there and you could help and you don't help that loses the vow and it's the same with Dharma teachings if for whatever reason um, you don't give teachings that would help somebody uh, the advice that would help somebody or that they ask for that they need um, for some self-centered reason then that also is a lack of generosity uh, it could be because of many concerns, could be also through financial concerns um, in either way not giving when you can give is something that's a root downfall and causes one to lose the bodhicitta vow bodhisattva vow the the Kachiburindi, Indi as far as um, the gift of Dharma is concerned, and of course, you know, a place like this is a place of the teaching of Dharma, then we should give 
really whatever we can. We should share whatever we can of the Buddha Dharma with others um, in any way that it can really be of help to them. And if it's the authentic Buddha Dharma, then we have uh, no doubt about it because the Dharma, by its very definition, is what helps beings. That what, that's what the Dharma is. It's not a doctrine. It is a set of things which are, by their very nature, helpful. The Dharma is also what the Buddha taught. He was the most enlightened being, so it's the Buddha's speech. Dharma is, by its very nature, a cause of happiness. And so, for those reasons, if we are passing on the pure and original Dharma, then there is no doubt of it being a, a good thing. So, whenever it is appropriate, when it's needed or requested, and however much we know and understand of it, then that should be well said and given as the gift of Dharma to another person. Um, the third downfall is not to accept an apology from somebody who's hurt you, who's harmed you. And in the text it says uh, not to uh, accept an apology and then on account of that to resent even to be physically violent to somebody. But the main point is that even though they've said sorry, even though they've apologized, um, that we don't accept the apology um, and we resent them. We carry that resent within us. Carrying that resent, even though the person tries to make amends, breaks the bodhisattva vow. Dipa Ta, 
The fourth thing which breaks the Bodhisattva vow for this middling type of individual is um, to not um, teach the Mahayana Dharma but to uh, teach non-Dharma under the pretense of Dharma. In other words, uh, you're pretending you're teaching Dharma, you're teaching the truth of Buddhism, but in fact the ideas you're presenting uh, go against the very grain of Buddhism. So uh, at the very heart of Buddhism are the teachings on karma. They show us that when we do helpful, positive, virtuous actions, then these actions, beside their short-term benefit, are also what bring in the future for their doer happiness. And the uh, very fiber of the Buddha's teaching shows us that when we do harmful things, they don't only cause um, trouble in the short term, but also for their doer, they bring suffering in the future. So say somebody was um, explaining to somebody else an idea which flies in the face of that, which says, oh, it's okay if you do that, which is a harmful action, uh, in the future there won't be negative consequences or there will be some happiness coming out of it or if they deny the good that comes out of virtuous actions but they present that as being a true dharma, something that's uh, uh, what's really behind the teachings, then that is, it. again, this is the fourth of the downfalls. Mm. Senja ตีนดีลานะตาอุซุนเซวะชุสมาบาตาบอดอนนะดุจอตินดิชิเกตินดิลาตาตินดิโซกะเซนเจลาดุลาจาเซนเจดุงฮาตินะตินจายตงอะเ
a happiness that they don't have. This sort of thing, which is the opposite of the Buddha's teaching, um, causes one to lose that fourth. It's the fourth way of losing the um, bodhisattva bodhisattva vow. So here we have four things. When we had those of um, dala faculties, there was just one main thing to remember. Here, for those of average faculties, we have four very important things to remember and four things through which one can lose the bodhisattva commitment. Now we move on to um, the sort of uh, no. We move on to the commitments which are appropriate for somebody who has a position of responsibility. So here we are looking at those with the highest responsibility, which are kings, those with great responsibility who are ministers, and those who are um, I don't know what we call them these days, local local chiefs those who have um, authority over not a kingdom but a smaller area. And so there are five for a king, five for a minister, and eight for a local chief. ตาเสียเปียนนั้นนี่มีจับบุตรอาบชงจิเซมบาตอลอมบุตรอาบชงจิเซมบามุพบาตอาบชงจิเซมบาสิตาเปยกบานดาวจิเรกบาเรติเม
uh, for those of somebody with great responsibility. Now these days there aren't that many kings and you might say, well, I'm not a king or there's barely any kings left. So this is a bit uh, out of date, a bit outdated. But really what it's showing us is the um, sort of responsibilities uh, that a bodhisattva has when that position has a very, very high office and that what they do and what they decide has far-reaching consequences, those with very great power. It doesn't have to be necessarily a king, but somebody who's a head of state or somebody who's the head of a very large organization. It means those with immense power, those with quite a bit of influence, and those who are not just individuals but with some local influence, so that way we can apply it to ourselves. These aren't just for kings. These give us an idea of how a bodhisattva handles responsibility when we have responsibility. The first downfall is that of stealing the property of the um, precious ones, it says, means the three jewels, the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Actually, it says stealing the property that's been offered to or that belongs to Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. So this means usually the goods that are in monasteries, religious establishments, uh, um, the statues, the wealth, any of the, the objects that are part of the Buddhist community. So if somebody is a king with absolute power, then it is, uh, they do have actually the power to do something like that, to just um, confiscate the property of monastic communities for their own benefit, for their own treasuries, and, um, or for some other purpose. Now, if that king happened to have taken the Bodhisattva vow and then appropriated the uh, monastic community's wealth, confiscated it, that causes the loss of the Bodhisattva vow. Um, also for us, as regular Bodhisattvas, in taking the offerings of the, that belong to temples, and the goods of monastic communities, if in some way we have some influence and that causes that to happen, that's also a downfall for us if we're bodhisattvas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
The third downfall for a king is to do harm to somebody who uh, is a renunciate, someone who's a monk or a nun. And it doesn't matter whether that person has kept their vows well or not, as soon as they are wearing the uh, robe and are representatives of the Sangha, then if the king in any way uh, harms them, has violence done to them, um, has some punishment meted out to them, then that causes the loss of the vow. The fourth root downfall for a monarch would be to commit any of the five um, they're called sins of, of immediate consequence. And these are the five actions uh, where the consequence is immediate on death. There's no intermediate state. Uh, one goes straight to the lower realms. And those that's, that's why there's that strange name, the five acts of immediate consequence or direct retrib- retribution. 
so those five are killing uh, your father, killing your mother. It is to cause a split in the Sangha, to murder one of the Buddha's entourage, or to draw the blood of a Buddha, or to cause a split in the monastic community. So not all of those five can be practiced um, these days. It could be done anyway, because, uh, for instance, the, uh, the Buddha is uh, um, gone, so we can't cause a Buddha to bleed, because there isn't one uh, to make to cause to bleed. And then the Buddha's, uh, this worst sin, because you can't kill a Buddha, Buddha doesn't have the karma to be killed, it's impossible, you can only draw blood. But then the immediate entourage of the Buddha would be like the likes of his two main disciples, Shariputra and Mogoyana, those immediately close to him, the elders. To kill one of those is one of these most uh, grave, gravest um, sins. Um, and so then the main ones these days would be to kill one of one's parents, that's possible, or to create um, a split in the monastic community. That's uh, also a possibility by setting the Sangha against each other, either individually or especially in groups, causing us to a point where it causes a split within the community. If a king does that, then it is a loss of the Bodhisattva vow. Loba, Um, then the fifth downfall is for a king to uh, adopt uh, non-Buddhist views. These can be uh, views of uh, nihilism. They can be views that there is no karma, cause and effect. They can be views that there is no future life, there is only this life. Uh, and then the king would... Um, actually, it's just that the king himself adopts those views. Um, then that immediately causes the loss of the bodhisattva vow. And this is the same as what we had for the average or middling uh, practitioner. Uh, those five are downfalls for a king, and they're particularly powerful downfalls because a king is somebody who has a lot of authority and influence, 
and someone who's very much in the public eye, and so they have great consequences as um, as downfalls. But of course, they are in themselves, each of them, negative things, causing the sangha to be beaten or hurt or imprisoned, or causing a split in the sangha, stealing the goods of monasteries and so on. All of those are downfalls for any sort of bodhisattva, but they are particularly uh, important when it's somebody of great authority who does them. Tatikalano, Next we come to the five downfalls for a minister or for somebody with a a great amount of power, not a king. And here there are five. And the first four are the same as the first four for a king. Exactly the same. So there you've got the um, stealing the property of the three jewels. Um, uh, to um, cause people to give up the uh, dharma, um, to harm someone who's a monk or a nun, or to do the five worst deeds. They're the same. Uh, the fifth one is that of um, plundering towns and villages. So this means sending in an army. This is the sort of power that a minister type of person would have. They would send in soldiers, send in the army, and wipe out a village or plunder a village, um, hurt the people. Of course, from this one decision of a minister, then very great misery occurs. So by making that order or that decision, then the Bodhisattva vow is lost ニーナーサンバ、あ、もうパパランジュニエバ。ジェオバレ。ニーナーサン。タティノニ、タトンボンダウォジカネレジナ。あ、ノマラ。あ、サムチュケバ。セテニソンワレ。ノマエンバ。
Now we come on to the vows for uh, people with regular people, regular people. And uh, so then there are eight. And the first of these is to teach uh, profound teachings to those who are unsuitable vessels. To teach profound teachings to those who are unsuitable. That's the way it's expressed, unsuitable vessels, not ready for it. Uh, Mainly this means that if somebody doesn't have the Mahayana potential, they don't have the sort of mentality and understanding that goes with Mahayana, but nevertheless, one's trying to force voidness teachings onto them, then what happens is not only they don't understand, but it can be very frightening. It makes fear, it sets a very bad blockage against any future development of the Mahayana. And so this is, uh, simply by doing that, uh, an ordinary person loses the Bodhisattva vow. Also, um, this could be in uh, in the Vajrayana aspect of Mahayana teachings, that there are many secret things in Vajrayana to do with practice, to do with visualization. Again, if somebody is not ready, not prepared for that, not suitable for that, and one's talking about those things or trying to force ideas or practice onto somebody, again, it can be a source of great fear and anxiety and uh, lead to negative consequences. It causes the loss of the vow straight away. ตะนี้เนาะนิพพานเนาะอ่าเทศนิโดปะเทพะจิมบุชิโดปะตะตะกะริดาวุจิโกกะวะริลานะอ่าชวนดาวุจิโกรองดอมาเดปะจิโกย
you'd be much, much better off giving your time to that and don't bother with all that loving kindness and Mahayana stuff. Uh, it's not for you. You look after yourself. It's much, much better. This sort of thing, saying it to someone who is, has set out on the Mahayana path, so it turns them off, uh, causes you to lose the vow. Mm-hmm. The third or downfall is to um, make somebody give up or to encourage them to give up the Pratimoksha vows. And so whether they have lay vows or monks' vows, nuns' vows, whichever one it may be, they're keeping the Pratimoksha vows and then you say the sort of thing like, Oh, that's not good. You don't need to do that. Come along and join the Mahayana. Come along and join you know, the, the loving, compassionate people of the Mahayana. You don't need the Pratimoksha. Um, you don't need to follow that way of discipline. Simply to have a loving heart and so on is all you need to do. Um, by doing that, then you lose the uh, Bodhisattva vow because the Pratimoksha it it, uh, it treats the pratimoksha, the self-liberation vows, as though they are something um, uh, unworthy, as though they are something of no benefit. And it's the contrary. The pratimoksha vows are there to bring happiness. They're there as a cause of uh, true and lasting happiness for people, and they're the basis of Hinayana practice and Mahayana practice, and to cause somebody to give them up is causing somebody to give up a cause of happiness. It's the exact opposite of the Bodhisattva wish, and it causes the loss of the vow. Mm-hmm. To, um, what are we up to now? Number four, isn't it? Fourth one is to, um, to say, uh, is to put down the Hinayana, is to put down the Hinayana, to deprecate the lesser way. And this is to, um, to insult the 
lesser way to say it's not really the Buddha's teaching, it cannot bring any benefit, um, and so on and so forth. And so, whereas the attitude should be respect, because it's part of the Buddhist ways, instead one treats it as though um, it were not part of the Buddha's teaching and uh, of, no, of no or little value. And in particular, to say that it's not capable of overcoming a mind's defilements. The fifth one is the same as we had earlier on. It is to praise oneself and to belittle others. So it's exactly the same. Put oneself up, put others down. The sixth one is to uh, make false claims about one's own realization. And this means claiming one's understood emptiness, voidness, deep teachings, um, or to give the impression that, that you are yourself a great bodhisattva, you have your realized being in some sort or another. And um, through that, to turn the heads of other people, to confuse them. And then by the very fact that you're not a realized being, but you're saying you are, then what you are teaching them or showing them is wrong doctrine. And this sixth thing uh, also causes the loss of the Bodhisattva's vow. So the seventh one is to cause somebody in power to confiscate the goods of somebody else and then take a cut of that oneself. To cause somebody in power to confiscate the goods, the property of somebody else and then accept part of that as uh, a cut or a share of the, of the prophets. Um, in one of the texts it says to cause a king to do that. So, but it's, it's causing people in power. Uh, that's it, it's a bit twice already. 
ตัวเพงอารมณ์สนาลีทับบนจูทับบนจูเพงอารมณ์สนาลีทับบนจูทับบนจูเพงอารมณ์สนาลีทับบนจูทับบนจูเพงอารมณ์สนาลีทับบน
Tapi ni tu nusun orang ngah lah mari satu jepa. The eighth downfall is to redirect funds which are destined for meditators and give them to scholars. <laughs> so here, money. Um, so um, so when this actually injures. Meditation, because uh, meditators are being deprived of their resources, and all of the funds are being channeled into those who either are just reading prayers out loud or studying. Then, if if the person responsible for handling the funds is a bodhisattva, then by doing that, they lose their bodhisattva vow. And uh, so, she's saying, um, you know, you say, oh, here's some money coming in from a sponsor. Uh, supposed to go to the meditators, but they don't need that. They're just sitting there meditating. Let's put it in the college. Let's buy some more stuff for the college. Or if there was a Buddha, then somebody comes with offerings for the Buddha himself. Buddha's the best of all meditators, and somebody says, "Oh, Buddha doesn't need that. Let's spread it out amongst the sangha and their works." It's when there is this responsibility for channeling. And allocating money, and if the money is, uh, then the priority, or if it's meant for meditators, and one doesn't let it go to the meditators, but rechannels it, then that loses the bodhisattva vow. And then uh, Rinpoche said, it's, an, "It's maybe that not not that difficult a thing um, to happen." I didn't say that; it says it in there. <laughs> that, that happens. The police, the lights flashing, so the police, police have come now. We're misappropriating the funds. ตาละนั่นดิซะดิตาตะละดิญีนะโวยเรอะนะซอตาดิจีกาเรเรลานะเปนะเอ่องารงโซราคีอะมะจีลาจีกะเปขะจีโอตั้งหาเปขะจิน
if we look at this in uh, practice, um, it's more a question of um, channeling the funds where you want them to go. So if somebody came, say, to a, a teacher, and they say, well, I want to offer some money, they're a sponsor, and uh, uh, what do you think? Should I give it to... Uh, the temple, should I give it to the retreat house, should I give it to the, uh, st- uh, the college, uh, and so on, then to give your own advice on that, that's fine. No problem with that. Say, oh, well, I think maybe it would be a good idea to give it to the college, that, that's fine. Because the person's asking for the advice. But if somebody comes along and says, oh, I've got uh, £100 to give, I'd like to give it to the temple, and then you say, Oh, no, 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 don't give it to the temple. It would be much better if you gave it to this or gave it to that and you're trying to channel the money where you'd like it to go and not where the person originally intended, um, then this is what's uh, being meant by this downfall. So once, uh, if a sponsor has actually expressed an intention, then to encourage that intention... Um, ตอตาจะตุจุจิเนาะอุสุตะลานะจะบอลันยูเนียวางาลอมบอลันยูเนียวางามอพาบาลันยูเนียวาเจติจุจิเนาะอยู่บาริอุสุจุจิมุนิเ
Now, if we cast our minds back to yesterday, then you'll remember that these all fall within the context of uh, three types of right conduct for the Bodhisattva. The first type of right conduct is the right conduct of avoiding what is harmful. And the second one was right conduct of doing what's virtuous, third one of what benefits beings. So all of these uh, downfalls for uh, those of blunter, middling and sharper faculties are all to do with avoiding the harm. So these are all things to avoid um, because they're downfalls. Now, if we come to the second area of right conduct, this is the right conduct of um, nurturing virtue. And this means uh, developing all those wholesome, all those good and virtuous actions which, insel- which themselves nourish the Bodhisattva mind. As far as this nurturing of virtue is concerned, then there are two areas of advice. There's one area of advice concerning the Bodhisattva's aspiration, or aspiration bodhicitta, and there's one area of advice for practice, practice bodhicitta. Concerning the first area, which is um, nurturing the aspiration, aspiration bodhicitta, then the first thing to do is never to abandon, sorry, never to, no, never to leave out a sentient being from one's aspiration. There's probably a better way of saying that, but never to leave any sentient being out of the aspiration. And uh, so this means even one, even if one sentient being is excluded 
from one's bodhisattva aspiration, then um, that's, a, that's a downfall. Um, so we include all beings. So what does this mean in practice? It means if um, uh, there's somebody uh, where you think, even if I had the chance to benefit that person, to help that person, I wouldn't. For whatever reasons. Uh, but as soon as you find there's the thought in the mind of, I wouldn't help that person even if I could, then that person has been excluded from the Bodhisattva wish, and um, then the aspiration bodhicitta has been uh, lost. So then the way of nurturing the aspiration bodhicitta is whoever that sentient being might be, the attitude is always one of all I want to do is help that person, to benefit that person. I want to benefit absolutely every single sentient being without any one exception whatsoever. ที่นี่เนาะที่เพียงเดียวนะถ้าสมมุติเสียงเยอะเลยโอเคที่เป็นญี่ปุ่นดิมาพาไปเลยนะถ้าเนี่ยก็ส่งตรงกันนะที่เ
to think of infinite love, infinite compassion, infinite sympathetic joy and impartiality also. Then also we have abandoning the four dark dharmas and practicing the four bright dharmas. And we'll take these together. There are four dark actions to avoid. And then their opposites are called the four bright or light actions, which are to be cultivated. And we'll take them in pairs because it's easier that way. The first of the dark actions um, uh, concerns one's own Dharma teacher. And it is to lie to the Dharma teacher or to try to mislead the Dharma teacher. And the opposite of this is to always be perfectly um, honest and straightforward in dialogue with the Dharma teacher. So that's the first action to avoid and the first thing to cultivate. The second dark action is to make somebody regret an action which is not a regrettable action. Make somebody regret an action for which there is no cause for regret. And it usually means make somebody regret uh, a virtuous action. So this will be if somebody's done some virtue, they've practiced generosity, some sort of right conduct, whatever it is, and you say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. No, no, no. Oh, my goodness. They've been generous. And you say, oh, now what are you going to do? You're so poor. Or they're expressing faith to their teacher. And you say, well, you know, that's not a very good teacher, actually. It's not that terrific. Or whatever virtue they themselves are practicing, then you make them feel regret, as though they've made a mistake, as though they shouldn't have done it, uh, so they've done something wrong. Uh, this is a dark action to avoid, and the bright action, which is the contrary, is to be very supportive and encouraging for each person in their own way of cultivating uh, a virtue. Mm-hmm. 
Don Lopado, the Chandra was Jason, Toronto, CGP, Nipachibori, Tasian Yelimari, the DC Tungaros or Tegore, Yabola Gore, Matu, Tasian Yasamu Korokari in Jopasi, Yasamogena, Dimundi, Tina, Muni, Yapola, Tajopasina, Dimundi, Dijolina, Toron Jopasi, Tachoro, Timazilan, Tapi Abra, such much is this doesn't mean never saying anything critical to or about anybody. Um, if somebody really is doing something harmful, dangerous, wrong, unvirtuous, then it can be very helpful if that can be pointed out in a skillful way and properly. And so, uh, because that will help them not to do it and it will help set them in the right way. So it doesn't mean um, only ever saying uh, affirmative things to other people, affirming whatever they're doing. But if they're, if they're doing virtuous things, then to support it, not to put them off. But if they are doing non-virtuous things, to find the right way to help them out of that. Yala. Tedo songs and also Tiziki Yubara. Somebody, Mm-hmm. Then the third dark action is to insult a bodhisattva. Now, this doesn't mean the great bodhisattvas like Chenrezig or Akashagaba or these bodhisattvas which are so wonderful but that we don't see. Uh, uh, This means anyone who has taken the bodhisattva vow and who's maintaining it, then to say anything bad about them is a dark action. And um, on the contrary, the bright action is to always look for what's positive in what a person does and to say good things about the positive um, and leave it at that. Um, so praising the positive qualities of other bodhisattvas and never deprecating uh, other bodhisattvas. Then the fourth dark action is to deceive any being. In the first dark action, it was particularly 
to the Dharma teacher, uh, deceiving or lying to the Dharma teacher. This fourth action is to be deceitful, mm, twisted, crooked, underhand in relation to any sentient being, to mislead them for your own selfish purposes. Um, this is the fourth dark action. And its opposite is to always be sincere, straightforward, and honest in dealings with other people. All of those um, pieces of advice um, that we just had, uh, up to and including the last ones on the four dark actions and the four bright actions, are all advice for maintaining the bodhisattva motivation or aspiration, aspiration bodhicitta, how to keep the attitude and state of mind correct. Still within this context of the right conduct of nurturing virtue, we have next the advice for nurturing the practice bodhicitta. And we won't go into the details of that now, but it's related to the six parameters. And then for each of the parameters, um, there'll be appropriate advice about how to avoid the opposites, the things which detract from it. So how to avoid what spoils or stops generosity, how to avoid what spoils or stops right conduct, how to avoid what spoils or stops forbearance, how to avoid what spoils or stops um, diligence and meditation and the development of wisdom. So the advice about nurturing virtue is specific for each of the six parameters. Then the third area of right conduct, we've had avoiding the harm, nurturing the virtue. The third one is that of benefiting sentient beings. It's specifically directed at benefiting sentient beings. One of the main things in there is called um, the uh, four virtues of gathering or simply the four ways of um, gathering or nurturing disciples. Mm-hmm. 
Maron gaji se tire de Maron la son autonomie n'a gaji se na. Tani son ti tiangi. Dingo pou yanda o noni ndotamare. Tina koron ngala ki gabonda cha tani na. Tani ni kwala ni pen ki tosan du sonji. Koron la pen to ba jawi chadala. Di jimada o te ta tri se gaji ka tare de me. Ta nga hu da o je nga pe to pou mo da o je di nga ron le sona. ตินี่สงสัยเสียแต่ยังกันได้ตินี่ดีมันดีตินี่นะโคโรนาเพียงทุกอย่างก็เสียดนะตินี่จะมาด่าตรงตาตินี่สิจิกสุยงกุจิร
ကရေးတော်ဝလာဖန်သူယိုကရေးတော်ဝလာဂဘောယိုနာတာတေးရှင်ဝါကျွန်တော်ဆိုမာကျေးလာဆုံးဇမ်မာရေးလာဆုံး
The fourth one is called simply to act accordingly, or if we put it into English, practice what you preach. Uh, so then the, this is, one should act according to uh, the vows you hold and the teachings you're given, uh, uh, practice according to the meanings you're teaching. And this is very straightforward. It means if, we're, if a teacher is advising the students to do something, to act in a certain way, and they can't maintain that themselves, then of course it sets a bad example. It makes no sense. If you're telling people not to kill, to protect life, and the teacher himself kills and doesn't protect life, if the teacher's saying not to steal, and the teacher himself is involved in shady dealings, and then uh, it's uh, completely contrary. So um, the teacher should be the ideal example of the teachings that his um, or she is giving. So with those we have what are called the four ways of gathering. Um, and these, are, these four ways of gathering are one of the main points for the specific benefiting of beings, which in this case is benefiting beings through the teachings, so that's why it's advice for a teacher. And with that, we've covered the three sorts of right conduct, right conduct of avoiding harm, right conduct as nurturing virtue, and right conduct as um, benefiting other beings. <laughs> So then now having looked at uh, the vow and nurturing the vow in these last ones, now we look at the uh, losing the vow, downfalls from the vow. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as, as we just saw, if we deceive sentient beings, then this causes the loss of the aspiration bodhicitta vow. And this deceiving um, means even deceiving one being. As soon as you've deceived one person, you've lost the vow. 
Torica Bichu no Bichuia Sijua, the Nobichuia Benano Guinilano Zanjiba. Tenino, Jumela, Jupersiba. Tenino, Sanjela, Yosiba. That is a you. Oh, they tried to say you are not you. Tenino, so she sent you down Baton or your body. So uh, then we saw four things for the causes to lose the... Because before we were looking at uh, how to maintain the vow by avoiding those things. Now we're looking at the same things, really. But if they're done, then it's a downfall. So uh, if there are those four dark actions, deceiving a teacher, um, causing somebody to regret what is not to be regretted... um, uh, insulting uh, a bodhisattva or co- deceiving any sentient being, any of those will cause loss of the vow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also what we were hearing this afternoon in terms of um, conduct to avoid in order to keep the vow, then if one doesn't avoid those conducts, you lose the vow. So then we had the uh, five for the king, five for the minister, eight for the lay person, and then the four for the middling person, and the one for the less gifted person. By com- losing any one of those, by breaking any one of those, then the vow is lost. Mm-hmm. So those um, are called root downfalls or root uh, breakages. And then... Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, these breakages, or potential breakages, these actions become downfalls and breakages if they're not repaired within what is called one session of the day. One session of the day in most commentaries means um, four hours. Uh-huh. 
If there's been one of these downfalls and it needs to be repaired within a session, if it's not fixed within a session and if there are four factors present, then that means you've lost the vow. I hope that's clear. So there needs to lose the vow totally, there need to be four factors present and the remedy is not applied within four hours, within a session. The four factors are these. First is that you um, maintain the action. So for instance, if it's this thought of I wouldn't benefit that person even if I could, then you don't just have the thought once, you keep thinking it and thinking it and you maintain that attitude throughout the four-hour period. So it's an unbroken, contrary or negative attitude. This is one factor. A second factor is that one has no shame or loss of dignity about that. Uh, These two terms are quite important in Buddhist virtue. The first is in relation to yourself, where it's your own sense of dignity about the way you act. The other is a sense of shame, where you realize that other people is in relation to other people's judgment of your action. So without either of those concerning what you've done, you're not ashamed of it and you haven't felt loss of dignity through it. The third thing is that you're happy about what you did, no regret. And the fourth thing is that even you think it was a good thing to do, the right thing to do. So when those four factors are present in the continuity, no shame or loss of dignity, uh, rejoicing in it, and uh, feeling it has qualities, and it's not repaired within the time of a session, then the vow is lost. Mm-hmm. 
This uh, time period is one sixth of a day, so that makes it in the way we count these days four hours um, in a 24 hour day. Um, So if within that four hour period you realize that something's gone wrong, you realize that your mentality's lost in something negative or that you've done a wrong action and then you think must do something about that and you uh, do whatever needs to be done about it a confession, a repairing of the vow uh, then it can be saved but if four hours have gone by before you feel like doing something about it or before you re- remember to do something about it then the Bodhisattva vow has been lost If of those uh, four factors, um, there are only three or two or one, then it's not a root downfall and the whole vow is not lost. It's damaged. It's damaged to a greater or to a lesser degree. It's still a failing, um, but it's not totally lost. ตนิมันรับไปบ่ปะเรตนิยอดอมบาลาตวนรวนจุเตนิเมปะเชวันเชเมนะตารวนกวนโซซวนดาแลตาตินิเชกิเตยอยาสุชุนดุตนิกอป
if it does happen that the vow has been damaged or lost, then it needs to be uh, healed if it's been damaged and it needs to be retaken if it's been lost. Um, and then there are various ways to do this. If it has been damaged, uh, injured, then the way we restore it or heal it can be through the what's called the sobjong or the restoring uh, ceremony. It can be through the uh, recitation that we get from the great Bodhisattva Akashagaba. It can be through reading the three hoops, the Triskanda Sutra. Um, there are various traditional ways of recognizing one's failings and restoring them, bringing them back to good. If the vow has actually been lost, then we need to take it afresh. We need to retake the Bodhisattva vow, and there are various ways of doing this, either formally or uh, informally, by oneself. And the Bodhisattva vow, in one way, is something we take again and again um, all the time. And in this respect, it's different from the Pratimoksha vows. The self-liberation vows, Pratimoksha vows, if they are broken and lost, that's it. When they're totally broken, when there's a root downfall, then they can't be retaken. Uh, but with the Bodhisattva vow, it can be retaken if it's been broken, and uh, it can be retaken, retaken many, many times. Uh, <laughs> Karidina Maruto now we turn to the benefits of the bodhicitta, of the bodhisattva mind. And um, there, there are ultimate benefits and there are temporary or provisional benefits in the meantime, while we're waiting to get the ultimate benefits. The ultimate benefit of bodhicitta is that one becomes a Buddha, one becomes totally free and enlightened. The provisional benefit between now and then is just so much happiness, so many happinesses of every sort that come through the loving, compassionate 
mind and activity of the bodhisattva. It makes the mind itself rejoice and be happy and it brings supportive and positive responses from other beings and the environment and this is also another source of happiness. Happiness from within and happiness from uh, without. That uh, loving, caring mind and life of the bodhisattva is something that uh, the goodness of which can be appreciated by everybody and if we take a very simple example um, in a country like this then people have pets and they care for animals and they look after them very nicely they're beings of the lower realms they could be considered as being objectionable horrible and um, mistreated but then they're taken into our lives they're treated with amazing affection and care and pampered and this is because we care for them we can see the benefits all round it's nice for the people who've got pets and it's nice for the pets themselves so then this is a simple example of loving care and kindness but as far as the bodhicitta is concerned it is solely a source of great happiness in the meantime and it is the reason for the ultimate happiness of enlightenment and this takes us to the end of the session and there's maybe time for one quick question Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, each person's karma depends on their, themselves and their own mind. So when it comes to voting, when we vote in a government, if we vote in a government because we think... Uh, so, oh, sorry, there was a long preamble to that. So then, um, if, we, uh, if we have a positive and a virtuous attitude, and through that then we do virtuous actions, then gradually as lives and lives go by, things get better and better, the intention gets purer and purer, the actions get better and better. All of that is what leads us to enlightenment through the good karma and the good intentions. Um, but then uh, each person is responsible for building up their own karma in that journey, and that karma is built up by their attitude and by their actions. So when we vote in a government, if our mind as a voter is a mind that uh, likes some and detests others in, in the field of choices, that's not really a bodhisattva's mind, putting some down, putting others up. The attitude, the, the, the purer attitude, is just simply to look who can bring the most benefit to sentient beings or to the population or whatever it is. So one's looking out of all the candidates, who, in your own opinion, is going to bring the most benefit. Then uh, if you vote with that pure intention because you're wishing to benefit beings and you're hoping that they do, then that's nothing but good karma. And uh, it all depends on your own motivation and attitude. If you were voting that person in to make a war and you have that intention then uh, that's different. But if it's just that you voted that person in 
because you thought they'd do the best for the country, and then afterwards they do something, that doesn't mean that's your group karma. It means your group karma is what your mind, the word is rejoicing in, or is in harmony with. So it's like if they're soldiers, and the soldiers can hurt people, they can kill people in battle. Soldiers can also help out the population sometimes. So it depends uh, what your mind is supporting, what actions your mind is supporting, then those actions you get the karma of. Mm-hmm. ตนี้เหยียนละตุนะเลสอกดุเหยียนละซ้อมบายาปุเหยียนละรุยาปุเจนะเลยาปุสุนดวะเดเซยุยาปุโยเตลาเนเตนิลุงอยุยาปุโย
And so tomorrow we move on in our study of the vows to the Vajrayana vows and explaining the sort of commitments that we have when we receive uh, empowerments and uh, so on. Um,
Sarebbe la scena 